Welcome to another edition of the Hidden Layers podcast, where we talk about all the exciting ways marketing, data, and deep learning are colliding. In the age of COVID-19, we're excited to be able to deliver new content to all you folks out there working from home or wherever you may be. Today, we have Disha Harjani, Senior Director of Product Partnerships, Platform Solutions at Shutterstock, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, stock photography sites in the world. Disha works with content creation companies who want to give their users access to images, videos, and music from right within their platforms through an API integration. We'll talk a lot about that today. It's really interesting how it's how the technology has been integrated into uh, a lot of different companies. Examples of those companies include ad builders, content marketing systems, and video creation tools. She has partnerships with large companies including Facebook, Google, IBM, HubSpot, and Wix. She was born in India, raised in West Africa, and she came to the US in 2000 at the age of 15. She then earned two undergraduate degrees at the same time, a BA in Communication Studies and another in Theater Studies from Montclair State University. And then after working for a year in digital marketing at McGraw-Hill, she pursued her MBA full-time. From 2010 to 2015, she managed cross-platform partnerships at NBC Universal before joining Shutterstock to lead these product partnerships. Welcome, Disha, to the Hidden Layers podcast. Thank you for having me, and thanks for the fantastic intro. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about this role at Shutterstock. You know, for, for the average, I don't know, an average consumer, which is really not a, a Shutter, a, a stock photography consumer, you go to the site and, you know, you can get all these photos, you can do the search, but that's not really, it seems, the power of Shutterstock based on what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about this role. Yeah, sure. So a lot of people think of Shutterstock as an online marketplace for stock photo assets. What people may not know is that we're actually also an enterprise tech company that's also in the you know, business of building tools, features, um, anything that brings efficiencies to a creative flow. And so we've spent you know, the last few years and a ton of resources learning a lot about marketers, content creators, and understood that they want an upgrade in their creative workflow. They seek to have a more efficient flow. There are people that don't necessarily want to go to our site and download a subscription, for example. There are small and mid-sized businesses that just want one image for their website or one image for their, for their ad. And for those people, they're not necessarily thinking about going to Shutterstock or, or any other stock photo company. They're thinking about signing up on a Squarespace or a Wix or going to Facebook to create their ads. And that is really where they start to get stuck. Same thing for you know, mid-sized agencies and marketers that are using Photoshop uh, or any other, other tools, like creative tools, you know, Apple's Final Cut Pro to create videos. And then they get stuck because they just don't have access to content. So basically, we have built that underlying technology to give people access to our content within these third-party tools. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the Facebook um, example, because as we all know, there are tons and tons of Facebook and Insta ads and they change and the creative is, is very important. There's thousands of different versions of some of these ads. Talk, talk us through how, how that came about, how that partnership came about and how, how you feed those images directly into that workflow. Sure. 
So the Facebook partnership began when, I think it was about five or six years ago, when their main pain point was that they were seeing a substantial amount of drop-off in their ads creation experience. Um, so for example, if you're a marketer or a small business or an agency, and you go to Facebook to create your ad, during this creation experience, you have to, one, find the content that's a good fit for your campaign. Uh, two, is high quality. Three, has all rights and licenses and releases associated with it. And four, can you know, easily be stored and managed inside whatever content management tool that you're using. And then you know, easily publish your ad and, and get it up and running. So we looked at that entire end-to-end -end creation experience and Facebook essentially was experiencing high drop-off rates, you know, lack of retention because people were starting to get creative fatigue. They jump off, they'd go to Google and they'd pick an image that is low res. They would put that in their ad, the ad wouldn't perform well. So really they saw a ton of value in having a provider that checks off all these, all these bullet points where there's high quality content, lots of it, all of it is licensable so that these um, creators and these small and mid-sized businesses can stay on platform and actually publish their ads. So striking a relationship with Facebook and integrating our API there helped solve their business problem, but it also, you know, ultimately what we're aiming for is solving the marketer's business problem. Yeah, so, so I wanna get into some of the AI stuff that you guys have been doing. So can we start sort of what AI, about with what AI means to Shutterstock and then let's talk about how you've applied it to some of your partnerships. Like I know there's, there's a publishing partnership with IBM and things like that. Sure. So we have over the past few years, I, I don't know if people are familiar, but Shutterstock is a two-sided marketplace. So we have, you know, we have a large library of 340 million images that is being submitted to us by over a million contributors from over a hundred countries. And all of that is being you know, translated into 21 different languages. So that's one side of it. That's why we are the largest you know, repository of creative images in the world. Then there's this other component to it where we have people buying and licensing those images and our customers on our site and our partners. So when it comes to AI, we were really thinking of those two, uh, those two flows. So in our contributor experience, we wanted to improve the content submission process. So when a contributor uploads content, our computer vision technology suggests keywords and tags. I think they're supposed to add a minimum of seven and a max of 50 keywords into their content. And so having this keyword recommendation that's built in uh, you know, a CV technology, this helps speed up the process. It encourages more accurate labeling of content. And, you know, this is very valuable because much of our search and discovery tools that we're building in-house is based on how accurately we index our images. Um, so, so let me just interrupt you there just to make sure for everyone that's listening. So I am a content creator, a photographer. I upload images into the Shutterstock system and you're automatically tagging them with this sort of keyword metadata based on what's in the image. You're using deep learning to yeah. visually look at that picture and tag it. Exactly, we have pixel data that knows what's in the image through our AI engine, and then we recommend keywords that can best suit that image. Great, great. And do the, does, the, does the content creator then get to, get to see the results and, and, and alter them, or is it fully automated? 
uh, they do get to alter it. They can, you know, more often than not, they, they value that and then they, they add it because it improves the searchability of their images on the mm -hmm. site. And then we also have a team of human reviewers that looks at each and every asset. And that's a lot of assets, but they look at each and every one and make sure that it's actually being tagged correctly. And they check it for other things like property releases, uh, model releases, quality, and so on. That's, that's great. And, and does that, how does that flow into the API? Let's take, a, again, the example of Facebook. I'm in Facebook. I want to make my ad. What I, I can search, I can natural language search for something and, and the, the inventory from Shutterstock comes up. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of our customer facing AI capabilities are in the search and discovery of content so that the customers can find exactly what they're looking for before they even know that they need it and it's quick and it's easy. You know, a lot of the feedback that we've gotten is like, it's great that you have 340 million images, but if we can't find the one that's relevant to us, then it's really no point. So a lot of our AI capabilities into like third party platform integrations or that come through our API are in, you know, search filters, like filtering by color is built off of our AI capability. We've built our own reverse image search. We know that marketers sometimes have a very specific idea of what they want. So they find an image and they want one that's high quality and licensable that looks exactly like it. So we built this reverse image search where people can just drag and drop the image that they found on Google or wherever, and then Shutterstock spits out you know, millions of similar images. Amazing, amazing. So that is really kind of tying the two-sided marketplace together. We also have a ton of experimental tools. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, marketers have a very specific ideas, uh, idea of what they want. So say a marketer gets a brief and they're trying to build an ad on Facebook or build a website on Wix or wherever. And based on the creative brief, they want an image of, you know, they want a horizontal image with a glass of wine on the right, cheese on the bottom left, and text space, a copy space on the top left. And how do you use keywords to search for something that specific? So we built something called a composition awareness search. And that essentially is like a, it's a visual canvas where people can drag their keywords all over the canvas. And that spits out, you know, the kind of image that they're looking for based on composition. That is very cool. It that is, is <laughs> that is very cool. Speaking from some just recent experience for, for cognitive, we, we released uh, an app during the canceled can week, can lines week called yeah. Rosé, not Rosé. And in going through all the images we wanted in the app, we, we wanted all these images that felt like the South of France. And, and we needed exactly those things, those compositions, because we needed to have the name of the app on the top. So we needed it to be clear and we needed the bottom to have a beach on it, you know, things like that. So that's, that's an amazing, that's an amazing um, feature. Yeah. And there are so many layers on top of that too. Like say you now have the image that has the composition, but it just may not have the aesthetics or the right feel. Like maybe it looks too stocky and you want something a little bit more Instagrammy. So, I mean, these are the kind of things that we're looking to build more and more. And we have that, we have a, a search filter called authentic search that kind of pushes down anything that might look conventional stock photos and then pushes up anything that has a very Instagrammy lifestyle feel to it, which would have been perfect for your can lion. <laughs> Luckily there are plenty of pictures available, nice looking beaches and, and 
blue, blue water, et cetera. So we, 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 we made that okay. So in the prep for this, we, you talked a little bit about company, tech companies that might want to build algorithms in-house. Could you talk, explain a little bit what that means and, and talk us through what, what goes on with that? Yeah. So of course we're solving, you know, the workflow problem through our API integrations that, that pull in like the search and discovery through our AI. The second way in which we're helping tech companies solve problems is, is definitely more internal. And these are companies that want to build algorithms in-house. These are, you know, publishing platforms that want to leverage algorithms that help validate the authenticity of a news article or a piece of content, or maybe a company that wants the ability to scan a document for dominant keywords and then mash them up with relevant pictures. So that's, you know, the kind of things that we're looking to support more. You have, you know, another example could be an online shopping platform that wants to leverage an algorithm that recommends products based on customers' previous purchase or a specific pattern that they've got sitting in their shopping cart. Like if I select a, you know, leopard print coat, I get matching, you know, handbags. So whether it's in the form of nudges or recommendations, we know that these companies and organizations are trying to minimize human decision-making and, and really increase the probability for purchase and conversion. So the companies that we're working with in a similar capacity may not necessarily be interested in actually licensing our images and videos and our content for use in traditional marketing promotions. Um, they might just want to license it for non-commercial purposes to build out these models. I see. So you're using your expertise in, in visual AI to help these companies build custom solutions. Exactly. Mm. And each, uh, each solution is very custom to what that company is trying to build. Got it. Got it. Interesting. All right. So what do you think, where, where, what's the five-year plan for Shutterstock in, from an AI perspective? The five-year plan for Shutterstock, I think, I, I think there's a bunch of things. Like right now, we are certainly very focused on search and discovery, and we, we want to build more and more of those kinds of, you know, solutions. I think in the future, we'd be interested in seeing how we can replicate that for video. That would be uh, a lot more, a lot more difficult to, to do. I think we're more interested in, you know, going deeper with like, first party data that, that we have to personalize and potentially predict the content that will perform well. That would definitely kick it up a notch for us. Like that's how we can then provide further value to customers like, hey, Shutterstock is not just a marketplace to, you know, get content, but now we can predict how it's going to perform for you. But, but yeah, I think we barely scratched the surface with our AI engine. It'll be interesting to see how complex it gets with video. And, you know, we're at the beginning of the journey right now to monetize data assets. So I'll, I'll be interested in seeing how this is something that can, we can potentially monetize on. So let's talk about the competition right now. <clears throat> Shutterstock is one of the biggest names in stock photography, but you've got Adobe, uh, you've got Getty Images out there. What sets you apart? Why, why would somebody come to Shutterstock instead of Adobe? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, we get, we get this question a lot. I think the first and foremost, Shutterstock was always built as a technology first platform. All of, all of our competitors, you know, of course, they were around before we were, but, and especially the names that you mentioned, but their traditional stock 
asset companies. Shutterstock was founded as a tech company by our founder, John Oranger, who was an engineer. And he, he was essentially looking to solve a problem. He needed affordable, high quality images to market one of his business ideas. And so once he saw this gap in the marketplace, he decided to kind of change and revolutionize the stock content industry by introducing the first subscription-based model. So definitely being a tech-first platform works in our favor. Another reason that partners come to us is because of the, uh, of the large data set. So we all know that in order to build a model that is sophisticated and complex, it needs a very large data set to start you know, recognizing patterns and get as close to 100% match as possible. And so we have 340 million images from a million contributors from across 100 countries. Like that is that's just a plethora of options that people can play around with to build the algorithms that they want. Third reason is our infrastructure. We have been capturing licensing data since day one, which is essentially what I mean by being a tech company first. We have raw pixel data for all the content that's submitted to us. You know, I think partners also look at the vibrancy of our marketplace and looks, they look at the activity on our website. So we're licensing about seven images every second. And it's a highly trafficked website. I believe it's in the top 500 of the most visited websites on the internet. So with all this traffic and all this behavior on our site, there's a multitude of data points that are feeding into our AI system. So you, you have spoken at South by Southwest a couple of times, another great week long uh, conference that got canceled this year. I'm so sad about that. Yeah. So, I mean, you talk about AI though, when you go there. So what, what, let's first talk about why you love AI so much and why you like to talk about it so much. Because I'm and, obsessed with robots. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Perfect. Um, and then talk a little bit about what you did at South by. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's when I worked like in my previous jobs, the thing that I guess frustrated me the most is seeing processes that were inefficient, that could be made better just by tracking and personalization and, and automation. So I think that's where the love for AI started to, that was the genesis of my love for AI. At South by Southwest last year, I was fortunate enough to be on a panel with my counterparts at IBM and Look Listen, and we were talking about AI and automation and how it's being used to optimize the marketing workflow. That was really interesting because a lot of the people in the audience were generally just interested in knowing what blend of AI tools can they start to implement in their marketing today. And so that conversation was, you know, tips and tricks to, to basically automate their platforms. You know, IBM has obviously, it's a leader in, in that space. And they had talked about how you can review the entire process and your entire customer journey and identify touch points that will benefit from AI. The second thing and the, the, another big takeaway was start small by automating anything that's not creative using out of the box tools. Like a lot of companies are implementing chatbots, curation, automation, and so on. And then if you're looking as a, as a SMB or a mid-market, like if you're looking to implement third-party solutions like DAMs or CMSs, checking to see if they are API friendly or have connectivity, or they have any of these AI elements embedded in them to make their jobs easier. So, you know, exploring any solution that 
can always evolve so that their teams can focus on work that cannot be automated. So, so after, after doing that panel, what barbecue place did you go to? Did you eat any <laughs> barbecue when you're in South I, I went for in tacos Austin? instead. Sorry, yeah? I, I went for tacos instead of barbecue. Nice. Did you have <laughs> breakfast tacos? Because Austin no, has I, such great breakfast tacos. I was hoping that I would go back this year for, for those, and then it got canceled. I know, I know. This was the first year I was going to commit to being there for more than like two days. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I really thought it was going to happen. It, it, it was, it was up until like a couple of weeks beforehand before they cancel it. It's too yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah it's just really. not enough time to go to all those barbecue places. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I, I do enjoy the barbecue. There's a lot of lines though. When you're at South by it's, it's hard, to, it's hard to get what you want. What's your favorite? Oh, actually, you know, I'm, I'm a salt lick guy. Like I like going out to the salt lick, which is outside of Austin and it's it's sort of like an all you can eat meat place you just you tell the waitress if you don't what you don't want and they won't bring that type of meat to you otherwise you just get meat uh, I enjoy that place I think it's pretty fun but I've been to so many good ones in Austin nice I'll make a note but I do have to say the breakfast tacos it's <laughs> that is sort of like the the key to Austin, starting your day with breakfast tacos. Nobody really does breakfast tacos. They have breakfast burritos, but they don't have breakfast tacos. Only Austin really does breakfast tacos. Well, we're just going to have to go back next year. Yes, I'll see you there, definitely. <laughs> All right, so what's next? What's next for Disha? Like, you're, you're clearly into AI. You're a true believer. Let's talk about robots. Why, why do you love robots so much? So I, I'm definitely not an expert in this space at all, <laughs> not claim to be. But I think my fascination with, with robots is more so around like we are training robots today to operate in our, in our real world situations. We're training them to understand what a man crossing the street looks like. We're training them to understand, you know, who's a child, who's a, an adult. And I think my fascination is around what if we could train them, not in a real world scenario, but through simulations and through you know images and audio and video. And so you have less wear and tear and you have, you know, you're probably spending less money on creating these environments and creating these studios. So I, I, I am an optimist and, and I don't, you know, I see that this could be a really good thing. So that's why I'm fascinated <laughs> with the robots. But what's next for me, I, I think I'm interested in seeing how AI will be used in education and how it'll, how it'll be used in understanding patterns for climate change. But more, more interesting than anything else, like it'll be, it'll be nice to see who becomes this governing body for AI and data integrity. And education is certainly something that I'll be following closely. More specifically, you know, how it tracks progress and rewards based on that or how it identifies development areas, that would be really cool. Yeah, I think that co the COVID quarantine and the virtual learning and the, and the uh, unpreparedness and, and not surprisingly so of the teachers and the schools, whether private or public, to deliver sort of an educational capability virtually has shown that 
there's an opening, I think, there for, for education. Specifically, like you said, how do you track progress? Can we do more individualized uh, learning this way because we're virtual? And if so, how can a teacher keep track of 40 kids? Can AI help that and, and help get the kids specific learning? I think that's going to be a fascinating opportunity in the, in the days to come. Yeah, game changer. Yeah, I mean, with like Khan Academy, especially, you have, you have these online classes specifically for different grades and different subjects. Maybe we can use AI to run through those and, and, and automatically create curriculum for kids and things like that. Yeah, and then there's always the flip side to it. Like, are we overtraining algorithms to then tip over to the other side and make assumptions and make decisions that discount the ability of a child to pro progress, you know? Uh, so I think there's always that balance, but I'm, as I mentioned, an optimist when it comes to AI. So I'd be interested in seeing how it's being used in, in just like individual self-improvement. Yeah, I think there's, there's, we've just started to scratch the surface of, of all the sort of predictive capabilities. You know, that's really where we focus at Cognitive is, is predicting human behavior, predicting consumer behavior, trying to find the patterns in uh, the behaviors and the data that can predict whether somebody's going to want a product or not or somebody already wants the product and is, it, is already going to convert. You know, those are the types of things that we're doing, but the fundamentals of what we do and how we apply it is all about consumer behavior and uh, the human experience, the human, how humans move through the world and what they do and, and what they like and what they want. And, and that's the interesting thing that I think we haven't really applied a lot of deep learning to. And that's sort of one of the things we were excited about when we started Cognitive. That's fantastic. Well, we've come to the end of our time. Thanks a lot for being here today through the quarantine. And I really appreciate you joining us on Hidden Layers. We really had a, a fascinating talk about AI. You're, you're one of the best AI guests we've had. You know, you're deep into it. A lot of marketers are just scratching the surface and, and, and Shutterstock and, and your work is really uh, fascinating. So thank you very much. Glad to hear and happy to be here. Thanks everyone out there for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed this edition of Hidden Layers. Really appreciate you continuing to come back. We hope this one was as interesting as I found it to be and we look forward to having you again soon. Thanks.